As we've been in Mark 1, if you'll turn in your Bible to Mark 1, verse 29. We'll continue into the series of Mark. I stand amazed at the descriptions, the thematic events in the life of Jesus in the Gospels. There's four Gospels, three are similar, one is a little different in order or in description. We believe the Bible is infallible, Word of God, true in every sense. So there's three that we refer to occasionally back and forth, and I will today in Mark, but Mark is what we're studying. First, Jesus is baptized. God saying, this is my son, listen to him. Second, Jesus overcomes temptation. That he has authority over Satan. Satan tries to trip him up. And he's not able to. It says in scripture that he trips him up with God's word. Yes, Satan knows the Bible. Probably better than you, than me. Jesus has the power over that, over temptation. He has the power to drive out demons uh, in week three. That he has power over everything. And today's message is unpacking that part of what Jesus has authority over. He has authority over illness and ailments, disease, demons. Turn with me to Mark 1.29. Mark 1.29. Let's stand as we read God's word. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house, Simon being Peter, with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they brought, him, brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit them to speak because they knew him. Father, thank you for your word. Make it clear today to us in simple truth that applies to our life on Monday morning. Make it practical in message. Make it clear to us. May the words of these verses jump into our life. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Point number one, to take Jesus to those in need of him. Mark starts off this passage by identifying Simon and Andrew, Simon Peter. They find out in-law is sick and they think immediately because they're walking with Jesus, seeing him do all these incredible things, we need to get him 
to her. So they do that. In verse 16, back in before we got going, the whole idea of Jesus walked beside the, the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. They watched Jesus. So understand the motivation of it was to heal. But they knew who it was to heal and thought Jesus is the way to get mother-in-law healed. Our mission statement is to do whatever it takes to develop believers, disciples. Simon and Andrew were developing disciples, new in their faith. Walking with Jesus and watching what he did with their own eyes, they began to understand the way this works. It's the hands and feet that multiply over and over again in believers. So fast forward, they hear the news of Simon's mother-in-law. They know exactly what to do. They get Jesus over there as fast as they can. And then look at verse 32. When the evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. Go back to what Justin has shared last week. The idea that people were listening to Jesus. The backstory is they had never heard someone speak with such conviction. Those religious had been in the synagogues and listened to the rabbis. They called him a rabbi because he was a teacher. In that same process, they began to understand that he is performing things and doing things that only God can do. The word is spreading throughout the land. We're in Capernaum in this case. But over and over again, it was going from house to house to house. So as Jesus comes to heal, it's by invitation that Andrew and Simon gave. Let's ask ourselves, if Jesus can cast out demons, what can he do for you? If Jesus can heal a woman of serious illness, what can he do in your life? If Jesus could heal and save you, who might else he want to save around you? This is not about us. This is about God's work. God's plan who are the people that Jesus has placed in your life that is your responsibility to share what are you doing to get Jesus to them Easter's coming in several weeks did you know that 82% of all unchurched people say that they would attend church if they were invited? 82%. That, that same survey has happened actually four times. It's gone up and down 3%. So I, I feel pretty good about the 82%. 
The problem is that 2% of people who do go to church have invited anyone to attend in the last 12 months. Easter's coming. Resurrection Sunday. Who needs Jesus? And what are we going to do to carry that message? Are you going to bring people to Jesus? Are you going to tell them about Jesus? Whatever God does in your life and lays on your heart, seize the moment. We learned last week from Justin that obedience is what God is looking for, not amazement. We don't just stand amazed at what God is doing. He's looking for obedience. If someone needs to know Jesus, what are you going to do? Whatever it takes. Point number two. Jesus' touch heals all ailments of all people. There are so many points that we could do. Just we, we could discuss this, just this one point. I hope that you'll take an opportunity in your life groups to talk about this, but the idea of a fever, okay, quote, a fever, scholars say that it's not, and, and I'll agree, it's not just a fever. It's not like they had a hundred, she had a hundred te temperature. She had a hundred one temperature. It's not, it's not a fever like that. It's a fever, broken covenant with God that God placed on her. The city, the town knew that. Simon and Andrew felt that and knew the only thing that could happen in the healing process is Jesus. God could take that away and only God. Deuteronomy 28, 22 talks about the belief of those who are sick. In, Luke, in Luke's gospel, he's a physician. Luke's a physician. He writes in a, a much more detail. He wrote in there her ailment as a high fever in verse 38 of chapter 4. But be careful not to equate our traditional fever with what she had. The mother-in-law was sick and not getting better. And this was a big, big deal in the town. So verse 30, Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, told her, I took her by the hand and raised her up and the fever left. Now, I want to be real careful with something. So lean in and, and listen carefully. Do we believe God can heal all people of all ailments? Absolutely, yes. But it's in God's timing and God's choice to do it. It's not about us. Do we believe to bring someone here, a family, a friend, a life group, come to the front at the end of the service or beginning of the service and we have prayer over them? Absolutely. 
but it's God's choice and God's timing to do the healing. It's not about the stained glass voice. I, you know, I didn't, I prayed for her. She didn't get healed. Um, maybe I didn't sound right, you know. <laughs> maybe I didn't say it right, you know. Maybe I said the wrong words. Scripture indicates that it's not you that does the healing. It's God that does the healing. So I want to be careful in the differentiation of this, that we're clear on who is doing the healing. We're not doing the healing. God is doing the healing. I want to be careful about encouragement of bringing people and praying for them, surrounding them with encouragement and edification. That is what we want. Scripture indicates that those friends, family, people around always were surrounding the sick and praying and caring for them. That's what we want. Yes, we believe in that. We also believe in the power of God to do whatever he wants to do. But it's God's choice and it's God's timing in that process. Many of you know the story of my eye. When I was 10 years old, I was at a birthday party and out of a dark gun came a very sharp pencil because we were so bored. <clears throat> and we were shooting sharp pencils at cardboard like first targets then we decided to draw people and like we were st they'd stick you know so out of the dark gun I'm on the top bunk Craig Raymer's on the bottom and he was loading a gun and it shot out and hit me right in my right eye Woo. <laughs> um, won't go into details there but it hurt we went to hospital. I ended up in the hospital four weeks, two different surgeries. My church was praying for me. Friends were praying for me, family, doctors. It was, I was just surrounded by people encouraging me. A miracle happened to me and I'm grateful to God for what he did. The third surgery, I went in, they were going to remove my whole eye because I'd been on almost three weeks of really, really high antibiotics, high potency. And it was to the place where the optic nerve was becoming damaged and infected and going to my brain. And they were afraid for my life. So they were going to take it all out instead of continuing on the path that didn't seem to be working well. They removed everything out. They had looked at it that morning, went to surgery that afternoon. And the short story is, uh, I woke up in recovery and <clears throat> my dad was standing there. And I said, uh, he said, you, do you feel okay? I said, yeah. Um, what happened? He goes, he just started weeping. You're not gonna believe this. There was no infection in your eye. In fact, all the optic nerve, everything was intact. And all they did was take away 
the lens in my right eye and everything stayed just like it was. The lens was taken out because of all the damage that was done by the pencil that went in. To us, it was a miracle because we had prayed that day and night, day and night, day and night, and it was weeks on end of praying for that, and it just didn't seem to be happening. And then it happened in the most unexplainable way. My doctor was one of the deacons at our church at First Baptist Nashville. It all happened down here at Baptist Hospital. And the doctors and the nurses and everybody would come by, you know, good night, I'm looking at all the charts. This is just amazing. It cannot be explained. And I'm thinking, well, it can be explained. God decided to do something. And he decided when to do it. So I want to be careful how I'm saying all that because there are a lot of other things that I've been praying for my entire life. And God hasn't answered those prayers. It doesn't mean God is not going to. It doesn't mean that God didn't do that before. It just means that God is doing it on his timeline and his choice. I'm reminded of Mark 5 when, Mark, when a woman was touched by Jesus' cloak as he was walking by. And she was healed of 12 years of hemorrhage. In that same chapter, a young girl that had died, Jesus touched her hand and she woke up from death mark 7 <clears throat> jesus put his fingers into a deaf man's ear and touched his tongue and he spoke and he could hear in mark 8 he heals the blind man by spitting in the mud putting it on his eyes touching him told him to go wash it off and he could see Releasing a young boy from a demon in Mark 9 that had control of his life. And then my favorite one, a touch, is Mark 10. Jesus welcomes the children and reminds us over and over again in verse 14 and 15, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like the little child will never enter it. It's not the complex, it's the simple. The simple touch of Jesus and the understanding of that in our life that is so powerful. Jesus refers over and over again to God as the great physician, the doctor, later in the chapter. We do believe that Jesus is the master physician. He can heal anything, anyone of any ailment, correct any problem. In fact, we believe God reveals to doctors and nurses how to care for our bodies better and better. And technology is coming farther and further, faster and faster. But we believe God's revealing that process. God holds the authority for healing. Point number three, when Jesus touches your life, respond and serve him. Mark 1.31 says, so he went to her, took her by the hand, raised her up, the fever left her, and she began to serve him. This is about our response to Jesus. Don't 
don't look at it as the minuscule act of making a meal. It is the power of the serving that is the response of gratitude by her. Some commentators say over and over again that it's a good reminder of when Jesus touches your life, how do you respond? When God works in your life, how do you respond? Is it a passing thanks? Is it a lifetime of devotion and service to the kingdom of God? Anything at all? We honor the Lord by how we respond to his work and touch in our life. And over and over again, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you begin to see the things around you and to you that you can respond on behalf of your gratitude. It's understanding what God is doing in your life. The sensitivity that comes with that begins the response to God. How do we build relationships with each other? How do we build a relationship with Him, a personal relationship with Him? Do we build that? Do we work on that? Do we invest in the future? Do we invest in ourselves? Do we invest in others? The response is paramount to what I'm saying today. Because the healing is the message that God has authority over it all. But the response from us is to serve, to invest in others. Do we reach out? Do we tell others about Jesus' impact on our life? Point four, cities get healed when the reputation of Jesus grows. In verse 32, when the evening came after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. Verse 33, the whole town was assembled at the door. How'd they get there? People were talking. They weren't talking about craziness. They were talking about this guy named Jesus who was doing incredible things around them. And many of them watched. Many of them saw. And the ones who saw were more animated. They all came to see what was happening. They were talking. They were talking about Jesus. What would happen? What would happen if we talked about Jesus? Not just in honor and gratitude. That, that should be the given. With the conviction and the zeal about what God is doing and who God is to you. What would happen to our city? Not just Mount Juliet. Are you kidding me? It would, if everybody 
invited and everybody talked and everybody raised the name of Jesus in your home, in your school, at work, what would happen when you're shopping, when you're getting gas, the guy pulls up next to you? Those awkward moments that you might feel, I think I'm supposed to talk right now, but I'm, this is really awkward. I think I'm going to shut up. What would happen? I believe we could turn this town upside down. They would all, the entire town would come to the door like this Jesus. I've talked to many people in our congregation and, and Two Rivers that say when they're talking to people at lunch or talking to people whenever in, in a casual time, out of the blue comes a question. What is different about you? You don't seem so anxious. You don't seem so... What's different about you? An opportunity to tell them who is in your life that makes you different. Seize the moment. We have on both sides of our worship center places that are identical. I want to invite you today to come and take the Lord's Supper, communion with God, thanking Him, remembering His death and burial, thanking Him for what He's done in your life. Maybe it's to write down on a card and to put on a cross, pin it to the cross, and allow us in leadership, staff, elders, to pray for you. On both sides, there are people who will pray with you and counsel and help be a part of your life. Roll up our sleeves. That is a gift you give to us to allow us to be a part of your life. And probably even just as important, maybe it's to come down here at the altar. What are you going to do in response to what God does in your life? You ever thought about that? Commit that to the Lord today. As our worship team comes back up, it's outside these walls that we're trying to take the message of Jesus not just in the walls. It might be the invitation of bringing someone to church. Easter's coming. What a great day to bring someone. Have you ever invited someone to church? It's outside these walls. Bring them to hear about Jesus. If it's the opposite, maybe it's you that needs to talk to them about Jesus. That's outside these walls.